I feel like we ought to get excited when we come to the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel like it's a, a pleasure to be in the house of God. And uh, I know in this day and hour that we live in, there's a lot of alternatives to worship. And uh, this morning coming to church, I seen trucking trailers going every which way. You can see bass boats heading for the lake and there's just, you know, people cutting wood, feeding cows, whatever. Just a lot of alternatives this morning to worship. Hallelujah. And uh, But I'm thankful for a group of people that do not have divided loyalties but got up this morning and said, we're going to the house of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And it's it's exciting to be a Christian. I am not despondent, Brother Matherly, in this world that we live in. It has so much to offer, so much enticement, so much that looks exciting, so many other places to go to entertain you and to keep you away from the house of God. And do we do those occasionally? Yes, we vacation a little bit, maybe once or twice a year. And, uh, but you know, I've seen people that Branson was just a weekend pool. That was the place to go rather than the house of God. And, uh, you know, I go there and uh, enjoy it most of the time, but I don't want to make it a habit. It's, it's not my chiefest joy. Hallelujah. I'm hallelujah. Psalms. 122 today is where I will take my reading from the word of the Lord. And um, the writer starts out, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Sometimes when we were children, there was a pull They'd say, you kids get ready, it's church time. We'd just get so aggravated because it was interfering, brother, (laughs) voice still with our our playtime and with our friends and uh, uh, just having a good time and just, you know, get so aggravated and and, uh, uh, because we had to stop what we were doing and go to church. Well, this is not what the writer was saying here. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And I know we don't need just a long uh, definition of of glad, but I just wanted to look at it. It said having a cheerful or happy disposition by nature. Hallelujah. When Wednesday rolls around, Sunday morning rolls around, Sunday night rolls around, we ought to, just our nature, there ought to be something, Brother Plapper, that begins to excite us. And you you could go ahead and be seated. And thank you for the standing and reverence to the word of the Lord. Uh, but this writer is is David, and it's a song of degrees that is written, and uh, he begins to deal with, and he begins to talk about, but uh, we see delight in his opening statement in the song, in this song of degrees. David is excited about the house of God. Now, a little bit of history tells us that uh, David, being from the lineage of maybe the Moabite, 
and they, they were not allowed into the temple, allowed even to come into the temple, wasn't even allowed to be a doorkeeper uh, in the temple. They were not allowed in the temple up until I believe it was the third generation or, or in my memory ex uh, escapes me exactly on that right now. Some of you Bible scholars could probably fill me in on that. Uh, but, you know, it, it was he was that generation, Brother uh, Caleb, that was allowing him to go into the house of the Lord. And uh, uh, he was excited about being able to come. No doubt in the past he had to sit on the outside and not understanding really why every Wednesday night, why every Sunday morning, uh, the old elder used to sing a song, there's a people that's peculiar as could be. Hallelujah. And he'd talk about through the rain, the sleet and snow. And you could hear the people say, well, there they go, you know. And uh, nothing keeps them from the house of God. A, a snowstorm, a blizzard or whatever, you know. Uh, back when we didn't even have four-wheel drive. Back when uh, I remember some of our vehicles never even had a heater. I remember my dad scraping that window all the way to the house uh, of God to get, you know, to just to be able to see to get there, but we didn't ask no questions. Uh, uh, we climbed in the old vehicle and we headed for church. Uh, uh, me and Brother Turner were just reminiscing about a family that lived in this country. And uh, uh, all they had, uh, the dad was a logger, was Brother Bud Farmer, and uh, he had this big old long uh, log truck. And I hardly ever knew of any other vehicle uh, that they had for a lot of years. This was their work vehicle, and this was also their way to get to church. They had, I don't know, five, six, seven kids. Uh, uh, the windows were knocked out of it by uh, just logging accidents in, in, the, in the woods. You know, there wasn't hardly nothing but the windshield in it. No back glass, no side glass. They didn't have uh, the equipment to load uh, uh, trucks like they have today, and uh, but uh, you would see them at church time, and uh, all of those young boys would be on the back of that old log truck, and they'd have a, a, a wrap around them and uh, a blanket around them, and the kids would be in the front. Didn't have no heater; it had plenty of air air conditioning. I can tell you that. But they was coming to the house of God, and they were as faithful as anybody. Maybe not just a long distance to drive, but they got on the back of that truck, and the men they just come in, and they were excited. In those days, we did not have social media; we had telephones, and a lot of those were party lines, and you just uh, you just didn't get on there and just sit there and ramble and 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 talk about every because everything there was to talk about because one of those neighbors would get on the phone uh, and man you talk about grouchy neighbors you could sure find out who they were when you stayed on the party line about you'd hear that phone click two or three times uh, and your conscience would tell you you better get off of this phone especially if you was just a kid rattling about nothing because about the third or fourth time uh, they picked up the phone I remember my wife's dad he had no patience in that area. Uh, he was a cattleman, owned sale barns and businesses, and uh, you know he would get that phone, he would pick it up, and it, the call was urgent, you know, and uh, uh, oh, if we could get that same urgency in the house, uh, about the house of God today. Uh, I need to get to the church.
church. I need, I need to talk with God. I need, I got some petitions I need met. Uh, I got to have a little talk uh, uh, with Jesus. A sweet hour of prayer. But after a while, he would grab that phone, and about the third or fourth time, he picked it up. Uh, I knew the the kids that were on the phone, and they were just on there uh, talking about, you know, whatever. And uh, uh, about the third time he had picked that up, he's, you kids need to get off of this phone. I got to make a phone call. This is a business call. And man, it wouldn't be very long. Them phones would be clicking and they'd be uh, be hanging up. But we didn't have social media and we just didn't have that uh, contact uh, uh, every day like social media allows us to have today. And uh, uh, so uh, when we come to church, uh, uh, we were excited about seeing one another. That was the only time we got a visit friends unless we didn't jump on a $20,000 four-wheeler or side by side and shoot out across the country and have a good time all day if you got over there you rode a horse you walked or you rode a bicycle and that was a lot of fun in our time but we just didn't have that same camaraderie or that same connection like they have today so by church time there was a hunger in us to see people and to communicate with our friends and catch up uh, on the hunting and the fishing. Uh, But not only that, to enter into the presence of God and to feel that Shekinah glory uh, and that anointing. And uh, uh, it was just kind of significant uh, of of Jerusalem. And uh, uh, it was just the place to go to feel the presence of God and to meet people. And uh, uh, even, even more, maybe a little primitive in the days of David uh, uh, when he began to take a pen in hand uh, and put this song together I was glad when they said unto me I was delighted Uh, I had a cheerful and happy disposition it changed my nature Uh, it was experiencing pleasure uh, joy or delight uh, made happy uh, ceasing causing happiness and joy full of brightness and cheerfulness. That's what glad means today. And David is saying all these things. Man, it makes me so happy when I can enter in and begin to worship with those that I love and with the God that I love and with the God that I have created this relationship with and uh, the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart yes he was a a sinner just like uh, uh, you and I but there was something uh, about David even though maybe he was a fornicator, adulterer uh, uh, conspirator uh, uh, murderer, he was all of these things uh, uh, but he had a repentive heart Uh, it didn't make him want to stay away from the house of God but it caused him Brother Winkler to realize I need to get to the house of God. I've got to get in touch with God. I've got to feel the presence of God. Oh sometimes in a long weary weekend and Brother Zach was already talking to all of these brothers and I'm so glad that they're home but they were so happy to get on the road. They couldn't wait to get on the road but 
about five or six days uh, into the journey, uh, uh, some of them was saying, we'd have left uh, uh, Wednesday or we'd have left whenever uh, because they wanted to get back home uh, and was excited, uh, more excited about getting home uh, than they was when they left. Uh, that's the way we ought to be about the house of God. We need to have a present joy, uh, uh, not a dread. Uh, not It's not a hindrance. Uh, oh, I'm as much human as anybody. Uh, I can get tied up in some things uh, and catch myself wishing, uh, man, I wish this was Monday night or Tuesday night uh, so I could accomplish uh, what I need to do. And uh, uh, I understand all of that, but oh, uh, what a pleasure to lay down the tools, uh, shut the equipment off, uh, uh, push all the troubles of life. Uh, out of our mind uh, and enter into the house of God uh, and into his presence. God, what would it be like to go to a church where there was no presence of God, no demonstration of power, just a form of godliness? And the churches of in Revelations, when he was talking to them, he said, man, you look good on the outside. You look the part. You act the part. But there's something lacking in your relationship. There's something missing. And he goes on to one of the churches to tell them, you've lost your first love. Oh, you're coming, but you're not excited about coming. I uh, this is what caught my attention in Psalms when David said, I was glad. I was delighted. I became excited when I thought about entering into the presence of God. Well, Brother Sampson, I don't know why you get so excited. I want to tell you something. If you get the relationship with God, if you could know him like I know him, if you could see his power and demonstration through my eyes, you would understand why I love him, why I get excited. Why, when there's not just church here, uh, there's a ch I drive hundreds of miles, uh, thousands of miles during the year uh, just to be in church, uh, just to go and to hear words, uh, sometimes from friends, uh, but mostly the ministry, uh, because that's what excites me. Uh, that's where I get my joy, uh, is from this word of God uh, and rubbing shoulders with men uh, of like precious faith. I was glad. Hallelujah. The temple of Jerusalem was the place where God promised to meet his people. And when the temple was finished in accordance with the instructions given to David, we see his son Solomon carrying out these orders, these desires of his father. He made repeated, repeated references to it as the place where God was to be found. 
we're going to get into it in a little bit, how many times that Jerusalem is mentioned in the Bible and how much the tabernacle and the temple is mentioned in Jerusalem. Oh, before it gave them such hope just uh, trudging around in the, in, the, in the wilderness and setting the temple up, uh, tabernacle up and tearing it down and setting it up and tearing it down, dressed, dusty, dry, enemy all, all around. I want to tell you something. Uh, sometimes our environment... Uh, uh, should have that 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 desired effect uh, uh, to drive us to the house of God. Sometimes uh, I'm so sick of trouble in the world. Uh, I'm so sick of everything that went wrong uh, uh, during the day that I am so happy uh, when somebody says, "Hey, uh, you're going to have to." Get ready. It's time uh, to go to church. Uh, man, I'm telling you something. My surroundings uh, begin to drive me toward uh, the church. Uh, it's my escape. Uh, it's the way I get away from trouble. Uh, oh, I'm telling you something. Uh, in the presence of mine enemy, uh, uh, he pre pre preparest a, a table before me. Uh, history talks about uh, if you were in pursuit uh, and in, 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 in that country of Israel, Israel, uh, and the enemy was hot on your tail. Uh, if you could ever make it to the tent ropes uh, uh, that held the tent up uh, and grab a hold uh, of the ropes of that tent uh, uh, that you were safe. Uh, you were a guest uh, uh, of the tenant of that, of that dwelling place. Uh, the enemy had to back off. Uh, they had to leave you alone. Uh, oh yeah, you could look out there and you could see them uh, and they were waiting. They knew you would have to leave. Uh, but in the presence of pursuit, in the presence of the enemy, there was somebody that prepared a table. There was somebody, as the custom was, was washing their feet. Let me get you something to drink. Man, dinner will be spread out here in just a little bit. Yeah, Brother Alley, yes, there was trouble on the outside. There was pressure on the outside. But if I could just get a little relief. If I could just get these feet bathed a little bit and find a little bit of comfort, it's going to encourage me to go out and face what I have to face. So many times we've come to church. If it hadn't have been for this service tonight, I don't know what I would have done. If I hadn't have got the touch that I got this morning, I don't know what I would have done. If I hadn't have went to church uh, and got prayed for uh, and got that healing that I desperately needed, uh, oh, what drives us to the house of God? Uh, it's that pressure. Uh, it's that trouble. Uh, oh, but the devil just has to stand back uh, and wait uh, while we bask, uh, while we feast in the presence uh, of God. Uh, he prepare us to take before me in the presence of mine enemies. Man, I was glad when I got to this refuge. Oh, can you imagine the refuge cities and being in pursuit of family and relatives that were angry and justified maybe to kill you if they could catch you and just in a nick of time that you got in and I don't have a lot of time to dwell with the cities of refuge. Uh, but we all know the story about Abner uh, uh, when he made uh, the refuge city and he was safe. Uh, your adversaries, they had to back off from you as long as you were in the city of refuge.
in the presence of God. That song we sing around the church a lot of times, in the presence of Jehovah. Oh God, there's fullness of joy. The pressure's relieved, it's gone. I'm so glad to come to church. Man, I'm telling you something. You ain't ain't saying, I I wish I had another day to finish this uh, uh, project. I I, I wish I could just stay here and get this done. Uh, And church was tomorrow night. Uh, Oh, but Brother Codrick, you say, uh, I was so glad when Wednesday night rolled around. Uh, I'm so glad this is Sunday night. Uh, I've been living in hell on earth. Uh, I've been tormented uh, uh, by every side. Uh, I want to tell you, something. If you could just find a little relief, I'm telling you something. It'll make you glad. It'll make you happy. It'll change your countenance. We'll be saying, just let me go. Let me go to the house of God. This kind of glory cloud resting on the temple in former times confirmed that it was true. He said, how how many remember it in its first stage and how do you see it now? Used to, you used to be excited about coming to church. Used to, it was your refuge. Used to, it was that present help in the time of trouble. The only relief that it seemed like you could find would get with the saints of God and begin to pray and sing and worship and just get a little relief from the torment. So excited. I, I believe this is maybe some of what he said. I've got somewhat against you. You've left your first love. You're not as excited about the church as you did when you first came. In other words, how many remember it in its first stage and how do you look at it now? What's your description of the church now? How do you identify with the church now? Are you more excited about it today? Are you still glad when they say, let us go? Or do you kind of get the dread? Or do you kind of look for some kind of excuse that you don't have to go? Oh, I'm telling you something. Give me that joy that I knew in the beginning. Give me that happiness, that desire, that drive for more of God. Causing happiness of joy, full of brightness and cheerfulness. That's what glad means. In the days of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the northern tribes have kept away from Jerusalem and Jeroboam made the cleavage with Jerusalem as permanent as possible because he did not want his tribes to feel uh, that nostalgia, that, that desire that, uh, uh, to go back and, and to experience what they used to experience in Jerusalem. Remember Brother Hancock preaching uh, the message next year in Jerusalem. Every year uh, uh, under the Mosaic law, I think pilgrimage to uh, Jerusalem was uh, demanded, I 
think three times a, a year and uh, uh, but sometimes uh, just once a year but they would uh, they would live on that uh, uh, on that spiritual experience and that camaraderie that communion uh, uh, with God that when they left uh, uh, they were talking about next year uh, in Jerusalem uh, next year uh, we can go back uh, uh, next Sunday night I can't wait uh, to get back to the house of God uh, I can't wait to hear uh, the word of the Lord uh, I can't wait to feel the joy uh, I can't wait to feel the relief of the pressure from this world but he set up He deliberately set up competing shrines at Bethel and Dan to offset the pull of Jerusalem. There was a lot going on. You know, during these times, it was carried away captive. The Syrians, the Babylonians had carried them away. There's always an enemy. There's always pressure to keep you away from the house of God. There is always alternative forms of worship offered to keep you from worshiping the one true God. Where there's many gods in this world that talks about the uh, sports goddesses. Uh, uh, there's just all kinds of, of competing things to pull your attention away from the house of God. So anytime that you can gather a couple hundred people together uh, and they're excited about coming to the house of God, uh, there's a joy, there's a brightness uh, uh, that when you see them coming, they've got that walk. Uh, I can't wait to get in there and get in the prayer room. Uh, I can't wait to get out of the prayer room and get into the worship service. I can't wait to feel the presence of God. That's what gives me joy. That's what gives me happiness. I want to be glad when they said unto me, go to the house of the Lord. And they, verse two it said, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Lord. Some translators render that our feet are standing within thy gates, O Jerusalem. One suggests our feet have stood and shall still stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. There seems to be a determination voiced here that this Passover is not going to be the last. Hallelujah. I get the mindset a lot of times uh, uh, that Sunday night's not going to be my last service. Uh, I've got a little hell to face uh, and fight through Monday and Tuesday, uh, uh, but Wednesday, uh, uh, the Passover's not going to be over for me. Uh, I'm going to come back in one more time uh, and enter into the presence of God and feel the power uh, of God working within me. The implication is that when the pilgrims finally reached the city of David, that they halted for a while just inside the gate. Oh, Jerusalem. So many times throughout the Bible and through just biblical history, 
it's talked about Jerusalem and beholding the beauty of Jerusalem. The magnificence of the city that when they stepped in, you got to understand, drove out through the plains of Kansas and uh, some of those western states and man it's forever and forever and you feel desolate just driving through that country even though the beauty is, is sometimes it's just it just kind of takes your breath at, uh, at the scenes uh, uh, that you're looking at but after a while there, there seems to be a loneliness that creeps in on you and you begin to wonder what do these people do out here where can they survive and I you know there may be just a little town or city uh, in the you know just over the mountain or something I, I realized in uh, I felt like we were in such a wilderness in Colorado, but just you know, just a few miles away, there's a, there's a, a little towns that's just tucked away in those in those in those mountains, and uh, uh, it, was, it was such a pleasure to go and just to see uh, other people moving around and seeing uh, uh, you know things happening and uh, uh, things that's going on, and uh, uh, the, you know their towns that they came from may have just been maybe a, a little market, maybe a, a few houses. Houses, maybe a few farms uh, up on the hillside and that was uh, uh, where they lived and that's what they dealt with day in uh, and day out. So when they come to Jerusalem uh, and all the commerce uh, uh, was taking place, all the boulevards uh, was going so many places to shop, uh, uh, you know, they just stopped uh, inside the gate uh, and just looked. Uh, oh, sometimes I've walked into the house of God. It was such a privilege. I just stop and I begin to look around at what God has allowed us to have and just behold maybe the beauty of the craftsmanship maybe that we've done with our hands. Oh, but that's, that doesn't sum up the whole thing. And even though just at our dedication services, people that had always been here in the past, they walk in and they would just stop and they would begin to look around and say, man, Brother Sampson, I knew that it looked good, but I never believed I couldn't grasp the beauty until I just stepped in to this auditorium, this entryway and they begin to talk about everything but they just stopped and just began to look. Oh, that's just the way they was when they got to Jerusalem. Man, they just stopped. They begin to look. They just begin to feel refreshed. They hadn't even made it to the temple yet. Oh, I'm telling you something. Remember the evangelist that said I want you to take uh, your oil and anoint uh, the boundaries of this property uh, and take in the highway uh, uh, when you anoint it that people when they drive by uh, oh would it be possible that they would just feel uh, the Shekinah glory uh, the presence of God uh, as they drove by and said hey that's the place I need to be that's where the presence of God is Not only were they spellbound by the magnificence of the city, but overwhelmed by racial and religious memories. The northern kingdom had been swept away, carried into bondage, carried into captivity. 
but there was a remnant left. They took all the elite, they took all the intelligent, and took them and began to disperse them through the Babylonian kingdom to enhance their culture. But when they finally reached the city of David, that remnant that was left, friends were taken, family was taken. You can read the historical aftermath of that captivity. Even their horses, a lot of times, were feared more than the warriors that sat on the horse because the horse would kick and stomp and literally grab and tear flesh from people. It was a time of horror. It was a time of trouble. And their apostasy, it brought them to this place. It got them in this place that they were experiencing the trouble that they were experiencing. We'll get to them in just a little while at the close of this and their mentality and their ideology. You think, well, I don't need God. Brother Samson, I've got my future planned out. I've got everything planned. I know what I want to do. I know where I'm going in life. I know what I'm going to accomplish. And so many times we hear this and we we see these dreams and we see them materializing. We see it happening and it begins to take them farther into captivity. It takes them farther away from the city of God, farther away from the city of refuge. And they don't feel like they really even need God. So many times I've talked about the man that... uh, built the big house and he had the sculpture uh, in the front yard and it was a sculpture uh, of a man that was chiseling himself out of stone and the heading uh, under this uh, 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 statue, this sculpture uh, was a self-made man and a man chiseling himself out of stone. Kind of neat to look at to the eye, but when you just begin to look at it and think, uh, oh, people think, man, I'm accomplishing and I've got it, I've got it going on, but I watched, I just made it a point to watch. Uh, that man's no longer in business. That man no longer uh, even lives in that house. There's going to come a time uh, that you're going to have to acknowledge uh, God in your life uh, and you're going to be like David and you're going to say, I was so glad when I got the chance to go back to the the temple and feel the presence of God. Oh, the awe when you come up and there was so much of the presence of God in this temple. It was called the Shekinah glory and it rose like a cloud and it hovered over the temple. Oh, what would cause people to be on the outside, Brother Josiah, and looking and seeing this place of refuge, this place of peace, this place of calm, this place where 
everything could get fixed and to stand there with a spirit of rebellion. I wouldn't go there. That's the last place that I would ever go. Oh, you don't know him like I know him. You've not seen him through my eyes like I look at him because I get glad. I get happy when I get that chance to go to the house of God and feel the presence of God and the pressures of life are lifted off. Oh, God. They wasn't much. You know what they were? They were really the outcasts. They wasn't good enough to make the grade. But they was good enough for God. We sang about his grace this morning. Amazing grace. When I wasn't worthy. When I deserved death, he gave me eternal life. What an awesome God. Recalling the importance of Jerusalem and the councils of God, this, there was never a city like it. And even today, you could draw off boundaries, you know, a 900-mile. I read a little bit of the history and everything that included, but there was nothing in a 900-mile radius that compared to the city of Jerusalem. All of these songs of degree that these singers are singing, you're casting a shadow all these songs of deliverance and happiness. I know there is doom and gloom that's lurking on the outside of this place today, Brother Looper, Plappert, but when we step out of this place, the only thing that we take with us uh, is this flesh. And when we walk out the doors, this flesh immediately begins to war. This flesh be immediately begins. Uh, the Bible talks about who can know the heart. It's exceedingly wicked. It's, it's the very imagination of man is wicked. It was on evil continually. That is our flesh that wars against the nature of God. That wars against the atmosphere that we come into this place to feel relief and to feel deliverance. But when we walk out the door, we take our flesh with us and the battle begins all over again which so many times we see people coming to the altar and they're weeping and crying. Why? Because they feel that Shekinah glory of God and they have such a need to feel the presence of God over all the trouble, whether it's sickness or finance or marital, whatever the situation is. It just let me get to the altar. Just let me lift my hands uh, in the presence of God. Have you ever walked into the church uh, and when you lifted your hands, it just felt like you stuck them right in uh, to the presence of God? And uh, oh, I'm telling you something, that overshadowing uh, of the Spirit of God, that's what it meant uh, to those in trouble to make it uh, to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, let me make it back to Jerusalem. Uh, oh, once a year's 
not enough. Twice a year is not enough. I'm telling you something. They didn't jump on a jet. They didn't jump on a motorized vehicle. Some of them didn't even have a camel. It was just a long hike to make that pilgrimage and that homage back to the great city of Jerusalem that brought them hope. God has things to say about Jerusalem that he never says about any other city. He calls it the city of the great king. The city of God. Psalms, yeah, the city of the great king in Psalms 48, 1 and 2. The city of God in Psalms 46 and 4. The holy city, Isaiah 48 and 2. The pilgrim standing within the gates of Jerusalem was standing where history was made. He was standing in a city with a continuous recorded history dating back to the days of Abraham, Melchizedek, and the Jews in Hezekiah's day could trace its story back for some 1,300 years. There was something special about Jerusalem. In verse 3, it said Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel and give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compacted together. Many of the pilgrims would have been used to village life, which not often is which as often as not revolved around a street or two, a well and a few farms on the hillside. I talked about that. It was a walled city with busy thoroughfares, marketplaces, all inspiring temple, great iron gates, places, palaces, towers, and all other amenities of an urban Center. The pilgrims were impressed. There was a sense of safety walking into the city limits of Jerusalem. Typifying today when we walk into the presence of God. Enemy in pursuit, trouble on every hand, and just walk in and have the ability. How come you go to church so much? How, how, you know, they, they don't understand it. Because I feel safe. I get happy in the presence of God. That song we'll sing sometimes when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to worship. It makes me want to praise all night long. See the singer, the song of a degree, it begins to intensify and the farther that he goes. Verse five, for there are set thrones of judgment and the thrones of the house 
of David. What are you talking about? There is government in the house of God. There is government in the presence of God. And when I'm feeling his presence and when I'm worshiping him, it makes me want to become separated from ungodliness. It makes me uh, uh, realize, God, that you, you've, you've got a government uh, uh, for me to live by that far surpasses uh, all the laws and the bylaws of this world. And I often tell about uh, the little caption that I read in a place of business. Uh, it talked about how many millions uh, of laws and how many bylaws and uh, uh, statutes and uh, uh, all of these things. And it said all which tried to enforce the Ten Commandments. We wouldn't need another law in this country if we would live by the Ten Commandments. It was so simple, the government of the church. Brother Roy Riley used to talk about, he said, you know how to do right? He said, you know what wrong is? Yeah. You know what right is? Yeah. You know the difference between right and wrong? Yeah. Well, just do right. That's what the Ten Commandments. You want to do right? This is what it is. You just got ten things to live by. You know, you don't kill, don't steal, love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Don't covet everything your neighbor's got. Get off your lazy backside and go to work and, 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 and get what you're wanting. Just simple government. But this, this is what they were excited about. There was government in the house of God. Spiritual power was evidence. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony to, of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. This was a tactful reminder to the remnant of Israel that there was a duty long neglected. Uh, oh, the singer's up. He's singing uh, uh, in degrees. He's building it up. Uh, yeah, there's probably some that hadn't been there uh, uh, for a long time. Uh, but you, you know, the singer, uh, uh, the worshiper, he's not condemning. He's not damning. He's just telling them, hey, uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we glad that we're glad that you made it this year. Uh, we're thankful that you could come and feel what we've been feeling. Uh, we invite you to worship. We invite you to praise. Uh, a lot of times when service starts, uh, I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you're from. Uh, I don't care what your nationality is. Uh, I invite you to worship uh, and praise God with us. Uh, the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Well, I don't like who I'm standing beside. Will you get off your old self-righteous pedestal and just begin to praise God and begin to worship God and quit damning dimming and looking at everybody else? Pretty soon, you'll be like David. Man, I'm glad I'm here. Like Peter on the on the mount, man. He, there was Jesus there, and Moses was there, and uh, uh, and Peter said, "Man, it's it's good that we're here." He got excited about the fellowship. He got excited about looking at some of them old patriarchs of old, uh, just a privilege uh, in a lifetime that he had. He said, it's good that we're here. We need to build two or three temples up here. Man, old Peter, he was always exuberant. It was always getting him in a little trouble. A lot of times it was getting him rebuked. But man, it's good that we're here in the presence of elders, in the presence of God. 
God, Jehovah. I'm just glad I'm here. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. When I begin to contemplate maybe and look at this, the present troubled disturbance, unpleasantness that's going on in Jerusalem, no doubt as we speak today, enjoying a country of peace. So many times you hear pray for Israel from multiple denominations. We agree on one thing, that we need to pray for Israel. Now I know our populace, our culture has been compromised by immigrants and hold, don't hold the same values in America that we hold. Someone showed me the other day a heading. There was thousands that were demonstrating in favor of Hamas and not in favor of Israel. And in, in the United States, multiple thousands, multiple thousands But it seemed like that America would have a desire to pray for Israel. How many times over the past and even right now today going on that trouble with Israel a close in the past as it brought America, Russia, and China on the verge of war. And then we sit in America in our comfort zone and we realize, or we don't realize, we don't think there's really any true need to pray for Jerusalem. That's a long ways off. But the scripture's telling us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem that they shall prosper. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be with thee. Oh, how happy that they were for the chance. They're not in bondage. They're not captivated. The people of God were united again in the holiest of bonds. They were together again in the meeting place to worship. They had a full understanding of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the manner of some is, but do it more as you see the day approaching. If things don't change in the course of America, you'll see the day that you would give anything you own for one more church service 
and to feel the presence of God. The place of corporate worship neglected by many is an essential part of Christian life. We derive strength, encouragement, and help. We forge links of love with others of like precious faith, which God uses to strengthen our spiritual resolves. There Jesus has promised to be and to meet with his assembled saints. There the word of God is expounded. There we pray as a body. There we sing the grand hymns of the faith when those who neglect the meeting place do come. It's no time to scold, but to encourage. Oh, we're glad you came. We're glad you finally made it. Join in. Worship with us, man. Get the touch you need. Get encouragement. Oh, but they don't need encouragement. I want to tell you something. When I was a kid, I had so much to live for. I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have an iPad. I didn't have, to way later years, a motorcycle or anything of that nature. But I had so much fun, so much to live for. And today... Look at our teen suicide rate. Look at the suicide rate of adults in America. Just the overall suicide rate in America. You think we don't need church? You don't think we need that peace that passes all understanding? You don't think we need to pray for one another? You don't think we need to give strength to one another? When someone comes in, you don't have no idea what they're going through. You begin to run their mouth. You begin to criticize. You begin to look down the bridge of your nose at them. And they're on the verge of put, putting, put, putting the hammer uh, to their self and ending it all because they can't go anymore. And, who, and we're supposed to be shedding abroad this love of God uh, in our heart and making other people happy, uh, other people excited uh, about this great God that we feel. Uh, and they realize that there is hope uh, in a world that's lost and dying. holiness in the house of God. Man, there's just something when you come in to the presence of God. It's not about our presentation. The Bible said your righteousness not your outward appearance just that self-righteous attitude that you think you got. Nobody's got it going on like me and Jesus. But it said, your righteousness is as filthy rags. The best I can do is nothing. It will gain me no favor. This grace thing is unmerited favor. It's not like Amway and Home Interior or whatever is still out there today that you had all these parties, you sold all these things, and man, you got merits. 
The harder you work, the more you sold, the more merits you got, and then you traded all that hard work in for just a picture or something that hung on the wall, but you got it by merits. That was merited favor. But living for God, there you can't do enough. Your righteousness is filthy rags in the eyes of God. It's only by grace, through faith, when you come to God, you must believe that he is. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You just come believing, God, here I am. I don't have much to offer. And the grace of God that passes all understanding. <laughs> I've lived for God most of my life, all of my adult life. Ate up with carnality as a young man. One, one preacher said, you're carnal as a frog. I think that was Brother Hancock said, you're as carnal as a frog. I don't know how carnal that is, but if I, I, could, I could probably, Brother Coderick, fulfill that description. But I just came to God and he accepted me. I know people probably looked, how could he ever be saved? But God loved me. I got one more note I want to, I want to cover here this morning. I'm getting close to done. Sure, there was a lot of tension in the air. Sure, there's a lot of people that carried a lot of memories from things in the past. Tension was in the air. The sad visitors from the north knew what resistance to Assyria cost. The smoldering ruins of Samaria, the heaps of the dead, the cries of the deported captives were still vivid in their minds. No one would need to be an astute student of domestic politics and international affairs to sense the heaviness in the streets of Jerusalem. Sometimes we come into the house of God and so often we have the penalty of sin so close on our trail and it's bringing remembrance of things that sin cost us. And How many times in the church do we see an old gray-haired grandmother or grandfather raise their hand and say, pray for my lost children. Pray for my children. They don't want anything to do with God. They, they don't want anything to do with the church. And then they'll say, I'm the reason, Brother Samson. I took my kids at the wrong age and I left the house of God. We're like Naomi, Ruth and Naomi. She said, I went away full, but I'm coming home. I'm coming back to Jerusalem, I'm coming back to the house of God and I'm empty and I have nothing left to offer, no more future families because of the things that I've done, Brother Samson. My family is lost. Yes, there is a heaviness, there is a conviction, maybe even condemnation of coming back to the house of God 
and leaving a trail of the things behind you because of our traditions in living for God. This is the way they were. They were coming back and coming back to the house of God. Brother Brett, they knew when Syria, they knew when Babylon found out that they were back in the temple and they were worshiping, that there was going to be consequences. It's a sacrifice living for God. Wasn't going to be an easy thing to go to Jerusalem this year. All of my family's carried away captive. Only those that's hopeless and rejected are left here. Seemed like there would be a longing to run to the house of God and begin to worship, turning their hearts toward God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and they'll begin to call out to God, we can turn our culture around, we can turn our government around. And America would be the place that a lot of us remember it from years gone by. But there's so many that's afraid to make that stand. The same way with the people that was returning to Jerusalem. But thank God for one that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. Pray for peace. As much as this city is mentioned in the Bible, it's doubtful that any city in the world has belied its name in the course of its history as Jerusalem. The name means city of peace, but it has known little or nothing of peace in its long history. Listen to this. History records nearly three dozen sieges of Jerusalem. And it goes on here to tell every one of those captivities, every one of those battles. But yet the singer is saying, pray for peace. Pray for Jerusalem. 36 sieges, 36 battles, 36 times being carried away into captivity. 36 times of coming back to the house of God and repenting and getting the favor of God. You think we don't serve a merciful God? David, the sinner that he was, you know where he gained the favor of God? In the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, because I'm a sinner and my sins are many and they're not trivial. I just want to go back. God, I just want to feel your presence. Verse 6, they shall prosper that love thee. When my dad died, probably had more money than he'd ever had in his life. That's because of a blind pension, a Korean veteran war pension and retirement. He said, son, I'm going to tell you at an early age, before I pass, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to leave you. I said, yo, what's that, dad? It kind of caught my curiosity up, man. He's, he's got a little 
stash back somewhere I don't know about. He said, I'm going to leave you this whole wide world to make a living in. That's what he left me. He loved God with all of his heart. I told about when he died and hospice uncovered him that he had a death grip on the old Bible that he had spent so many years reading in death. He still had a grip on the word of God. Why? Because it's the only thing that's going to stand when the world is on fire. Sister Samuels is this word of God. And we need to take this word of God. And we need to be delighted in the word of God. Fall in love with the word of God. But I got to have friends. My dad never had no money. Never lived in a fancy home. And never drove a fancy car. And at our facility, when my dad passed at the age of 87, we had to open the gates into the neighboring pastures because we didn't have enough parking. And even they filled the field up. They parked up and down the highway. The man officiating the funeral service said, Kelly, I've never seen anything like this. Over 1,200 people came through to view your dad. That's the difference that God makes in your life. It's a great read in Psalms 122 to be happy and glad. Psalms 137, and I'm going to very quickly run through this. Let me just go to this reading today. Whole different scene here of the Matherly in Psalms 137. You want present happiness? Or do you want happiness that's in the past, just a memory? Psalms 137.1, it said, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion. That place that we wouldn't go to worship. That place that we took for granted. That place that we didn't want to serve God. We wanted all of those other alternatives to worship why go to the church? You could stay home and listen to it on social media. We tell you what social media today and online church is doing to a lot of churches. It's collapsing them. We're just going to eat supper tonight, pastor, and then we're going to sit back and we're going to hear the word of God over social media. We're going to get us a bowl of popcorn and prop up our feet and enjoy the theatrics of the apostolic church. Until one day there's no church. Then when there's no finance, the marriage is on the rocks. 
financial crisis. And you need that preacher. And he's not here. He's had to move on. They starved him out. There's no place to worship. There's no place to go to and feel the Shekinah glory. If it's just standing and being encouraged by somebody else uh, that's able to worship, somebody else uh, that is pressed through and weeping and crying and feeling uh, the presence of God. If we could just go one more time and feel the presence of God. But here they are. They're in captivity and they're taken miles and miles from home. We sat down and we wept when we remembered the thing that we lost, the thing that we don't have anymore. We hang our harps on the willow in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away captive begin to require of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. When sin is finished, the Bible said, it's when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. It's done with you. Oh, come, we're going to offer you homage. We're going to offer you prestige. We're going to offer you a place in society. Come with us. But the Bible tells me here, after all those promises, that they wasted us. Those that wasted us, they began to taunt them. They required of us mirth. They required of us happiness. They required of us joy. They wanted us to be excited in the place of captivity, the place that we've allowed us to come. Oh, you look at it and the world will make you big promises how many young people have we seen leave the church? And even in our little area, cocaine addictions, meth addictions, crack pipes, alcoholism, and they never make it back to the house of God. One of my good friends in school, and I, I used to take him and... Uh, to Bible school and revivals and he would go and he was more interested in the girls than he was uh, uh, the church and uh, uh, finally he just quit coming and I remember uh, one day after school he said come go with us we're going down uh, to such and such place and I went in the store with them uh, and they began and his other friends they began to steal everything uh, that they could get their hands on uh, in there I just turned and eased out of that store and I went back to the the schoolyard uh, and I never went back with them again but I watched them uh, as he began to progress uh, and I watched him as uh, uh, things of the world began to get a hold of him uh, and addictions begin to uh, to develop Uh, oh and in our adulthood uh, at two and three o'clock in the morning uh, uh, when I had to get up and go to work uh, he would call me and he would beg me uh, Kelly tell me about God Talk to me about the Bible. And uh, at three in the morning, and so many times, Sister Long, I would roll over and I would lay in my bed weeping and crying, feeling like uh, I had failed God in Terry Cook's life uh, some way or another. Tell me about God. In a drunken 
stupor in his alcoholic condition that finally became his demise in life. Tell me about God. Now I'm in trouble. Now I've got addictions. Now I've got problems. I need to hear about God. And I couldn't penetrate the drunken stupor and the need for him to come to God. But now Israel in their captivity, they're being taunted. Come on, man, cheer up. Cheer up. Yeah, you're in bondage, but you'll fit in after a while. And sin setting back with a smirk on its face. When I'm done with you, the only place you're going to fit in is hell beneath. He said, but we wept when we remembered the things that we lost. We've went from gladness present to happiness in the past. to recollect, to think back on, take a trip down memory lane. Oh, remember when we was just kids? Remember when we was in the house of God? Remember when I wasn't twitching and jerking? Remember when my teeth wasn't rotted out of my head? And I had it going on. I had a future ahead of me. Now I've lost my children. I have nothing but an addiction. And it's demanding of me happiness. And how can I be happiness in the state that I'm in? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? All of a sudden there's a remembrance of things that they didn't want to enjoy, didn't want to rejoice in. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, I'm not going to rejoice in this bondage that I'm in, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to remember Zion. I'm not going to lose my mobility. I'm not going to lose the past remembrance uh, that I had. He said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, you let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, and if I prefer not Jerusalem among my chief joy, Remember, O oh Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem. Remember those who come against us. Remember those uh, who rejoiced in taking us down. Oh God, I can't get Jerusalem out of my mind. I'm weeping and crying in bondage as you stand to your feet this morning. Bound by addictions bound by pornography, bound by lust, fornication, all of these things that's running so rampant in our society today. And why are we there? Because they forgot the church. And now they are suffering from some kind of a paralysis. They can't give up sin. They forgot Jerusalem. They can't make that move toward God. That tongue won't release and worship God and repent before God. It's cleaved to the roof of their mouth because of the things that they forgot. If you're here today and you just say, I want to bring remembrance 
of the presence of God back into my life. I just want the joy. I just want the happiness that I one time had. Before you're paralyzed by sin, the state that you're begging somebody to help you and tell you about God one more time. Oh God, in the presence of God, nothing matters anymore. I've seen people get up from the altar and turn around and embrace their worst enemy in the church house because the presence of God removed all the malice, all the envy, all the strife. I was glad for just one more chance to come to the house of God.